Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Okay, I'm here today with Jim Silver, and he owns a dive business, and we are going to hear all about how that came about, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Well, thank you for having me. It's fun. So, the name of your business is Aqua Adventures Eco Divers. Okay. And um, might as well uh, plug a website if you have one. <laughs> sure. And, and me being the second owner of this business, I have to give credit to the founder who, however she was inspired to do this, she picked the URL, diveislamoharis.com. Oh, wow. So talk about solving your SEO problems Brilliant. from the get-go. When I evaluated the business years ago, that was one of the biggest assets. A big value point, absolutely. Yeah, so, awesome. Thank you for that opportunity. <laughs> no problem. It'll be in the show notes too, because uh, I always do a transcript mm-hmm. um, for, for folks too. So, so tell us how this this business came about. Well, first, let me just say, you know, we we're kind of a dive boutique. We have a, a reasonably small boat in the dive business. People refer to cattle car boats, so we give um, a pretty intimate experience. No more than eight divers on the boat. Um, our demographics, we love families, traveling families. We get a lot of, we get retired people who are adventure oriented. Um, we get people that are still working, but their kids are grown and they're traveling and having fun. Um, and you know, we get young professionals. So, uh, we take them diving. We teach diving. We put a lot of people in the water for the first time. We have snorkeling tours. In the summer, we have whale shark tours. So we really have fun. I have a great team of people. We love what we do. It's a wonderful thing to introduce people to for the first time. And also also for Isla. Isla, we live a little bit in the shadow of that island to the south. I forget the name of it at the moment. (laughs) But anyway, um, it's a wonderful business. And it's the customers, the clients, the people who come here that make it so great. You love it. I love it. I love it. It's challenging. Um, when I came here to do this in 2012, being a dive instructor and dive pro was really in my mind. Uh, little did I know I would become a booking and reservation management agent. <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, but anyway. Um, so uh, is it one boat that you have? We or? have one boat. Okay. Um, and my captain, who I love to death, who actually dove with this company as a customer in the summer of 2011, where I met Wilbert as a dive master and as dive pros, we bonded just in that, in that experience, having fun. You never really take your dive pro hat off when you're an instructor or a dive master. Um, and, uh, so anyway, he's been with me the whole time. Where was I going? What was the question? <laughs> Oh, if you had one boat or you were looking at expanding it all? Wilbert's brother-in-law and his nephew 
uh, have two whale shark boats. They're our partners for whale shark oh, okay. in the summer. They also sometimes back us up when, if we need a second boat or we need a backup boat. I see. Um, so, you know, there's a real family component to this business that I'm delighted as a U.S. citizen, as um, coming here as an immigrant, to uh, to have, be, have a part of my world. So, um, but yes, bottom line, one boat, she's a mid-engine diesel with a big swim step and a dive ladder. You divers that are listening out there, we giant step off the swim step and we back roll. She's low freeboard and and uh, really, she's a great platform. Another really good thing that the founder of the business did was set up a, a, a good solid dive boat, good boat for our conditions here. So yeah. Perfect. So um, take us back uh, to before you had the business, were okay. you, did you look at uh, different areas for having a business like this? Or? I, I was in the U.S. I had left my real estate business behind. I was an agent. I was a broker. I had my own real estate practice in Northern California for nine or ten years. Everyone remembers the uh, real estate the crash, crash in, in uh, 2008, 2006. Very well. And so anyway, um, I was looking... From Belize on up through the Yucatan. I'd made a couple of trips to Isla Mujeres as a tourist in, see, I think 2008 and 2011. Um, and so what attracted me to this part of the world is, one, it's not that tough to get back to the U.S. You know, I have right. friends who even in Panama felt it was a long way to get back. Um, and... Uh, the price is, is reasonable, cost of living, cost of doing business. Um, it's not like islands out in the Caribbean where things are very expensive because it's so hard remote. to get things. They're very remote. Mm -hmm. um, so I looked at an opportunity in Belize. This opportunity was presented to me in early June of 2012 because the business had closed. Mm -hmm. I had friends on the island. They knew about the business closing. They knew that I was interested in heading down this way and, and being in the dive business and doing underwater photography, which is one of my passions. And they called me and said, hey, Jim, this, this stuff is here, this closed business. Do you, do you have any interest in, in resurrecting this? And so I had my own business. Having solved a number of different problems in, in you know, self-employment is tough. And if you can do it, if you, if you can feed yourself. Well, if you yourself, don't have to start from scratch, starting from yeah, scratch is always much really harder tough. than, yes, the, than the, if you've got something. You're right. And the, and the pieces here, the structure was here. It was just a matter of bringing it back to life, mm -hmm. turning lives back on. So, Did, Was that uh, more difficult than you anticipated? Easier? About the same? What, what, how would you um, describe that exercise? There were issues within the company structure and the permitting structure that didn't surface through my due diligence. Mm. Um, and so those things had to be dealt with eventually. Okay. And, you know, anytime you take on something that's not brand new out of the box, there's always going to be some, some lurking something or other. I mean, the boat was turned out to be in, in worse shape than I thought. Uh, she needed a lot of loving care. In a boat you adds up to dollar signs. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, so anyway, um, 
So yeah. Well, good. Yeah. There, yeah. There's always something, but it doesn't sound like it was too um, deal. It wasn't a deal breaker. It didn't. It wasn't a showstopper. As a, well, as right. Nothing say. happened that made me go. You know, I can't do this. It's time to go home. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or do something else. Although there was a moment a couple of years ago when I did start looking for another job because I did. I you know my I had too many employees. I was struggling with letting them go. Business was hurting a little bit. What do I need to do to make this survive? Ended up just sweating it out and, you know, mm-hmm. scaling back on expenses as much as possible. It's what you have to do when you have a business at times. Right. So, um, anyway, that was a tough Well, and, and, you know, through the years I've heard that, you know, people that have grown a business only to say, oh, you know, this isn't really what I want. And then, mm-hmm. you know, scaled it back and mm-hmm. were much happier with, you know, less stress, less overhead. But, and that, Susceptibility that's a to those, those Because at, at times I've resisted intentionally, well, you know, with thought, with analysis, um, taking on a second boat, mm-hmm. doubling the business, the work. Um, you know, I turned 62 last summer, not 42. And right. so empire building really isn't part of the equation. It's, right. it's live a good life. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, you, you've got to support the business. I don't right. have an oil well back home. Right. And um, so, so yeah, it, it's good. It, it's a challenge. So, um, okay, let's, let's go back a, a little bit further to the um, idea of living outside the United States. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of prompted that and how well, that all come about? In the early 90s, I took my first adventure travel trip outside the U.S. Um, I've been a water person all my life, and I raced sailboats and windsurfed on the San Francisco Bay where the water's cold. And finally, I decided I was going to travel for a windsurfing vacation. Uh, and so I ended up in Cabaretti in the Dominican Republic and absolutely fell in love with the culture. It's a melting pot. Um tropical fruit, mojitos, warm water, you know, just like, wow, what, you know. what Great people. This is, yeah, amazing really people. people. So that really planted the seeds for, you know, how at some point, what, you know, what will I, how will I eventually make a transition to this place. And it certainly is one of those situations where, gosh, I wish I bought land or property in the Dominican Republic in 1991. Right. You know, <laughs> those moments. But um, so that's probably where, uh, you know. So it, that's that was 20 years before yeah. you made the, 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 bought the business here, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, so that germinated a long time. Well, it did. I mean, I had a career in high tech back then. Um, my kids were in elementary school mm-hmm. and junior high. You know, I certainly was much more grounded and rooted in Northern California with family and career and so forth. And in the meantime, took the kids to, we made a trip to Extapa. We made a trip to, um, escaping me, Huatulco on the west coast of mm, Mexico. Sure. So we did some Beautiful Mexico town. trips and uh, and just, you know, enjoyed 
getting out of the U.S. and hitting some warm locations. Uh, somehow I never made it to the Alps. <laughs> um, but uh, at any rate, yeah, so just continued as the kids grew up and gave them adventures. We were an adventure family. So, so they enjoyed that too. That oh yeah. Travel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do they come down here? Um, the girls, I have twin daughters that are 26 that have graduated from UC Davis and San Diego state. They're living in San Francisco and San Diego. They've both made a couple of trips down. Um, they both dive. I've got great pictures of them diving and swimming with whale sharks, but they also have their own lives. I mean, sure. one of them, Michelle, went to Thailand with some oh, buddies good for her. last year. And so I have to find ways to tear them away <laughs> from their lives and say, come on down here. You have a family dive business in Mexico. What's the, Right. You know. So anyway, uh, and my son's been down. He uh, lives in Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, so anyway... Um, but I, you know, I, I have to go back to when I was their age and had mm-hmm. my life and active right. and you know. yeah, it, it it's complicated and yeah. living in the United States and all the things that go along with that. But social media has made it much easier for families and friends to stay connected. Over Absolutely, without question. And it, and in many ways, it makes it easier to stay connected with your your clients, your former customers. Hey, you know, they're sitting at home. Where, where are we going to go for vacation this year? Well, God, you posted some great pictures the other Right. Maybe we should go back to Isla Mujeres. Yeah. Not a tough decision for a lot of people. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tom calls it getting eaten, getting bitten by the Isla bug. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Great. So, um, what, um, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that was thinking about making a, a dramatic move like that? Was it, was there any fear involved when you did it or were, were, were you pretty much like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm ready. Or t- take me kind of through that, that mental and emotional um, journey about moving away from your home country. Well, certainly the back plane for the, or that the, the bottom of the staircase, um, there's a finance, there are financial issues. Can I actually do this? Can I feed myself? Can I pay for a place to live? Do I have a nest egg? Do I have passive income from somewhere else? Can, you know, can I make this work? Do I, do I have something in the bank? Um, so in my case, I had the experience of running my own business. I had information from a business I had evaluated, the dye business in Belize. I had their business model. I had some experience with how businesses ran in Isla, or at least dye businesses. So I had a pretty good sense that I would be able to make this work. Um, it was a business that had run. I had been a customer at one point. I consulted with people that dove with the business and, uh, I said, you know, one person in particular, you think I should do this? Yeah, go for it, Jim. So, right. um, that's an encouragement. So, you know, if, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a framework, then hopefully you have a financial cushion that will let you explore an area, look for opportunities and build something organically. Right. Uh, I didn't have, you know, I'm not a trust fund baby. I, 
<laughs> and, and I I took a hit in the, the high tech crash. I took, took a hit in the real estate crash. I was going to ask you about the real estate crash. So uh, <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's not like I had a year's worth of living expenses in the bank when I chose to do this. and I had Or a, a substantial uh, passive income that, right, that would exactly, sustain you. That was exactly. okay, that was so, not there. Okay. Um, because people, I think people wonder about that, you know, like, oh, do these people just, you know, have another source of income? And a lot of times they don't, you know. Well, to be perfectly honest, if you can make a living in the real estate business, you can probably make a living doing almost anything you want. Um, I interview, um, when I interview people to work in the company, there's a couple of questions I like to ask. One is, have you ever, ever worked on straight commission? Mm. which you do in real estate, of course. Absolutely. And they often look at me and go, oh my gosh, no. And I'm like, well, that's what running a small business is. Absolutely. If I don't sell a dive or a tour, none of the rest of this matters. (laughs) Right. We don't eat. So, um, and I'll also go, a companion question or maybe instead is, what do you think my most important job is? And they talk about dive safety and equipment and the boat. And I don't let them go on too long before I say, look, if nobody comes in that door, none of the rest of this matters. We That's right. We can't do the rest of it. So it's all important. But if you're looking to take that leap and you want to support yourself and run a business, you have to be able to bring clients, customers one way or another to the table. Mm-hmm. And of course, Isla is a blessing because it has wonderful repeat business. Even though in the eight years that I've been here almost, there's still tons of people who have no idea where Isla Mujeres is. <laughs> I was in a meeting four or five years ago with the head of the Marine Park with other dive operators. And one of the other operators said, why don't they call it the East Lumaris Underwater Museum? And the director of the marine park that has an East Lumaris sector, the Cancun sector, looks at her and says, because no one's ever heard of East Lumaris. <laughs> so it's, so this underwater museum off the tip of our island is called the Cancun Musee Subaquatica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I don't know. Uh, I just heard that Ultramar posted figures that said we have 24,000 visitors a day. Oh, it's astounding. It's, um, so somebody knows about this island. No, no, no. Well, and, and the truth of the matter is I, I refer to Isla as, as Mexico's Key West. It's, it's the tip of the island is the easternmost tip of the entire country. Yes. You know what New Year's here is like. It's phenomenal. We have Mardi Gras. We have Carnival sure, coming up. I haven't up. thought about that. So yeah. Mexico's middle class is becoming wealthier mm-hmm. as the years go by. This is a huge tourist de- destination for Mexican Yes, people. absolutely. And, of course, we get tours from all over the world. Cancun's opened a couple years ago a fourth terminal. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's no shortage of people coming here that's for sure right so right absolutely we'll be back in a moment isla mujeres is a caribbean jewel off the coast of cancun 
Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results From buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, raising the bar in vacation property management. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. So you had um, looked at some other areas. You said um, Belize and, and the Bahamas and, and some other islands. And was it purely an economic uh, exercise, or were there other some other factors well, that's, why you, you were... That's a great building? question. Um, Certainly in my criteria list was it couldn't be expensive like St. Bar mm-hmm. or, or, you know, the, the, uh, the other islands in the Caribbean. And it had to be, again, fairly easy to get back to the United States. It took me a while to realize how much closer we are to Miami than we are to Houston. It's, yeah, it's a one-hour <laughs> flight, and so I, I actually make parts runs there from time to time. Um, but certainly a big part of it was... The opportunity presented itself. Um, I mean, you don't know why these things happen in your life. And sometimes you, you know, will I kick myself if I don't do this? Um, and right. How many come along? Right. Right. How, right. How many chances? And so, um, and, and it's funny, one of the huge pieces of the business that I really didn't have on my radar was the whale shark business. Mm. And so it's a wonderful part of our business. Whale shark has brought a lot of divers to Isla Mujeres who might not have come here otherwise. Hey, we need to go to Isla for the whale sharks. Well, hey, why don't we dive there while we're there? We dive Cosmel all the time. Let's dive Isla. It's just there are people who come to Cozumel and combine it with yes. an Isla trip and whale shark. And this is really a phenomenal part of the world. The Yucatan is astounding with both Mayan and Spanish history. Mm-hmm. Convents built in the 1500s. Cenotes diving. The, the caves and the cenotes, which actually have, you know, safe dives close to the entrances where we're not going down into the earth. Cozumel's amazing. Belize is 190 miles from here. Really 
this turned out to be perfect spot. A, a, an amazingly better spot than I ever even anticipated. <laughs> Both for lifestyle for myself and my wife and for traveling and, and getting around and uh and and the business and the fun and yeah. Awesome. So uh, before we started the interview, you were, were telling me that um, you have a, a great deal of gratitude for um, each, each day that, that you're given. You, you want to share a little bit about the sure. challenges that you've sure. overcome? Absolutely. Um, when I was 29 and, and on the path to go back to college, which I, I hadn't done out of high school, like a lot of people, I made a side tour into the Coast Guard and shook me to Alaska and Northern California. Um, but after my son was born in 1980, two years after he was born in 1986, I was rudely, my life was rudely interrupted, just put it mildly, with a leukemia diagnosis, a lymphocytic leukemia, which thankfully is uh, fairly treatable compared to myelogenous leukemia. Um, I was windsurfing and mountain biking, a really healthy guy, working on going back to school to get my bachelor's degree. Um, and I uh, had to quit school. Was really sick when they called me into that ho the hospital that night to say, you need to come down now. Your blood tests from today were, you're, you're in trouble. So you were sick, but you didn't know why? Exactly. Okay. And, and in a week's time, Went Finally to, figured out what, what it was. Well, I, I went to the doctor. I actually went to the doctor a day early because in a week's time, I really had had Gosh. major downslide to the point where my capillaries were bursting. Mm. And and the, frankly, to be perfectly honest, the doctor who examined me during the day that Monday, September 16, 1986, not that wow. it, it <laughs> lives in my memory for any particular reason, he should have sent me right across the street to the hospital because my blood counts were mm. way out of whack. But anyway, so I got the call later that night by his partner who was on call lo looking through the day's records and, and his eyes must have bugged out of his head and says, oh, I got to call this guy. He can't, he may not make it through the night. Oh, wow. So, um, so anyway, long journey, a lot of chemotherapy, radiation treatment. Um, obviously a success. I'm here. Um, like I told you before the interview, whatever I happen to be dealing with on any given day, if no one's telling me I'm relapsing in my leukemia, it's a pretty good day. So, um, and how long has, have you been in remission? I finished treatment in, um, actually the final five days of chemotherapy started in October, the night of the big earthquake in San Francisco. 88? No. 89. And the World Series was, the pregame was on, and I'm at home, oh, and yeah. I'm going to head down to the hospital for my IV, and the earthquake hits, and luckily we were far enough from the epicenter that, that we had some, yeah. some shaking. But uh called the hospital, they said, come on down. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, that's when I finished. That was it? <laughs> that was the last five day segment of chemo. Okay. But, um, wow. So that it's been a long time. It's but, been a long time. So um, what is it? So 2019. That's 30 years since the end of treatment. So and, for, for you know, you, you, as my fellow cancer patients will testify to, 
you tiptoe around a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you we all worry you know, about a recurrence and a relapse, and and um, one of the motivating factors, certainly throughout my life, has been comes from sitting in support groups at John Muir uh, Hospital in Walnut Creek, California. And there were people in those groups with their families who didn't have the prognosis that I had. And you feel a real responsibility to those people and their families to go forward with your life and, and don't let fear Live it fully. Live it fully, exactly. So, wow. yeah, it's a. Um, wow. So, so what did you say? Uh, moving to Mexico was no big deal after that. I mean, in the big scheme of things, <laughs> um, it uh, you know wasn't I scary. mean put it in perspective. Um, I wasn't moving to the Amazon. If I miss the United States, a twenty-minute ferry ride and a ten-minute cab ride. And I'm having pizza and a Coke at Costco in Cancun. So, you know, great Wi-Fi, great cellular service. Um, it, this, East America's Mexico is not, not the Dominican Republic. I mean, it's, it's cosmopolitan. Noemi and I went to see, um, the Cancun Symphony perform Carmina Burana as Miss this year. Okay. Good so, so we get our, our taste of culture. Um, as as best we can, so um, you know there there are more remote places than Isla Mujeres on the planet. Right. Well, awesome. Well, this has been um, really really great. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to share before we wrap it up? Well, you didn't ask me, Jim. Is it is it hard or scary to become a diver? Oh, do okay. you dive? You know, well, you know what? Come to think of it. It's it's on my list. Yeah. Uh, I never wanted to get certified in California because it was too cold and too dark and too yes, scary. I, that's, <laughs> that's I understand completely. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. But um, I I would love to get certified here. So okay. um, yeah, I guess yeah. I did go swimming with the whale sharks. Okay, um, good, good. And I loved it. It was I didn't know what to expect. I was actually a little bit scared about it because these right. are pretty large animals. Um, but once I, and, and my husband made me get in first, I wanted to like, oh, good kind job, of, Tom. <laughs> I wanted to like have somebody else go first so I could kind of scope it out and see what was going on and find out what the drill was. But, oh no, everybody else was screwing around, putting their gear on and stuff. And he's like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. So off we went. And, oh. uh, so the second time I was much more relaxed than the first time. And, and these guys were booking. I thought they would yeah. just be sort of gliding through the water. And, okay. But no, no, no. I was like, swim, swim, swim. <laughs> well, I came to diving, like a lot of people, through what often is called resort dive. And there's an official name called Discover Scuba, where we can take people diving without certification. Ah, okay. We, you know, we're limited to how deep we can take them. Okay. We can only take a certain number with an instructor. Um, but it... It's a real eye-opener for a lot of people. Talk about conquering fear. A lot of people do, you know, raise their personal bar by putting that regulator in their mouth and going underwater. I tell people, if you like other worlds, 
diving. Well, I love snorkeling, and yeah. I before we left Florida, I got one of those Sea View One Eighty okay. masks. Okay, cool. Which I love, um, as opposed to a traditional snorkel. Um, well, it's time to get you underwater. I think so. Looking at the fish. Yeah. Yeah. Do not look. You're looking down at them and snorkeling. You're, <laughs> you're diving. You're you're in the fish tank. That's why they put fish tanks in doctors' offices because it's really relaxing. Oh yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Your day is coming. Perfect. Well, I look forward to it. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, Jim. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank and, you for uh, the opportunity. It's, 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 it was special. Great. I appreciate it. It was fun. Awesome. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com and take the Are You Ready for an Overseas Life Relocation Readiness Quiz. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Thank you.